we are in a crisis a fuel crisis and a serious crisis a global fuel crisis where a gallon of gas in the United States stands at five United States dollars and in a poor country like Uganda a liter of fuel is around 2.7 and 3.5 dollars which is quite a lot in accordance to how much people earn per day in a country where majority of people are workers of hand to mouth we are in a crisis whose specific cause is unclear as others mentioned that the West's sanctions on Russia could be the cause remember we were once in this crisis even before Russia's invasion of Ukraine due to COVID-19 restrictions at the border points this is sparking a couple of questions Questions like, what are the real causes of this fuel crisis? Should we be concerned? Yes, of course. Was this fuel crisis predicted? Maybe we shall find out. How long will this crisis take? Are there any remedies or temporal solutions? being taken on the global scale, maybe by OPEC, to curb this crisis. And can technologies like electronic vehicles or hydrogen cars provide solutions or answers to this crisis? Lastly, but harshly, is anything worse coming from this crisis because we've already seen things like high commodity prices all across the continent many questions and the answers seem to be few you're streaming the grok show on one.jackiza.com like, subscribe, and hit the notification bells in support. Dear Fuel, I hope you're fine. But personally, I'm not. And the main reason for why I'm not fine is mainly because of you. Lately, your price has gone so high that you've triggered every bit of my life and shrinked it below the life I deserve. Fuel. I know very well 
what determines your price on the global scale. The forces of demand and supply. Of course, I've learned it somewhere. But in theory, when your price is high, it could be determined by the fact that there is high demand but the supply is low. Conversely, I know that when your price is low, it could be determined by the fact that the supply is high but the demand is low globally. But feel this time around not only affected we the people in developing countries the poor that rely on you for power for logistics of agricultural products and logistics of all other sectors of our economy as the driver of all factors of production in our country but you've also affected countries that rely on for the nation, first world countries, by pushing a gallon of gas to five dollars. Your cause isn't clear. Many will mention COVID-19 restrictions that involved border restrictions that caused a lot of delays and costs in transporting oil from country to country and high taxes with falling economies. Wow, when I heard that story, I tried to understand you. Again, when the prices started to relax a little, I started hearing news that fuel was high in countries like UK by then. Well, I clearly knew that it was an indicator that you were spiking another crisis right after the crisis of COVID-19. And so it were. And the blame this time was that Russia had evaded Ukraine, something predicted since 2014 when Russia had interest in Crimea. Well, this time around, I tried to understand you again. That when Russia evaded Ukraine, a lot changed. On this topic, the New York Times came out to write a full article about you. And it says that all companies were being slow to respond to the rebound after laying off workers during COVID-19 and decommissioning rigs during the 
pandemic slump. Well, I understand. This is understandable. Because history already repeats itself. The fact that there has been eight, about two of crashes, all price crashes in over the last eight years, not counting 2022. I could learn something. But that doesn't mean that I know how long you take. Really. When Russia evades Ukraine, countries in Africa, including my own Uganda, are receiving a slow in growth by 3.8%. And this is lower than the expected this is lower than the expected slowdown of 4.5% from the COVID situation. But not something to celebrate about. But nothing to celebrate about because of the following reasons. You have spiked the prices of goods that we highly rely on. The given goods and the essential goods. For example, the prices of food in Africa. Of which... This accounts for about 40% of the consumer spending in Africa. And yet they are rising rapidly. Look at the price of wheat. Around 85% of my region's wheat supplies are just being ported and higher fuel plus one other thing fertilizer prices affecting domestic food production and together these two factors are disappropriate they are disappropriately hurting we the poor especially we that live in urban areas and the increasing food insecurity or fuel. Your higher prices are boosting the import bill for Africa's oil importers by about $19 billion, worsening trade imbalances and rising transport and other consumer costs. All importing states 
like my own that are landlocked, are being hit the hardest. With fiscal balances expected to deteriorate around 0.8% of the gross domestic product as compared to October 2021, according to the World Bank. This is twice that of other oil importing countries across the world. So, dear fuel, Africa's eight petroleum exporters could be benefiting from you. But Africa is in just eight countries. This shock that you've caused us is said to make an already delicate fiscal balancing to act more difficult, thereby increasing development spending, mobilizing more tax revenues, and containing debt pressures from countries that are being affected by one country invading the other in Europe. And you should know that our fiscal authorities are generally not well positioned for additional shocks after what happened in the pandemic. Half of our countries here are already in or they are at a high risk of distress, including my own. Rising oil prices are representing a direct fiscal cost for countries through fuel subsidies. While inflation is making or reducing these subsidies to become more and more unpopular, spending pressures are increasing as the growth of our countries is slowing. And as the interest rates are increasing or rising in advanced economies, this is making financing more costly and harder to obtain for some governments like my own. Let me tell you something about you. The United States has been one of the biggest producers of oil since 2000, among the top 10, actually the top since 2012. So it's inevitable to say that the United States is the world's largest producer of new fuel. And not only just producing them, but the largest processor of petroleum products. Actually, in recent years, the States of America has been the major exporter, sending large quantities of your oil to Latin America, Europe. In Africa, we have rely 
Arapol. Arapol. But you know, still still is not just the highest producer of your oil, but one of the highest importer. A lot of oil from other countries is being imported into this country. Actually, it's the second largest importer in the world after China, of which China is the world's second most powerful economy after the United States. So, this could be caused by partly uh, the fact that United States, uh, United States of America's refineries are often set up to process types of oil that are different from those produced within the United States. That is understandable. So, experts say that it would be expensive and difficult to reconfigure refineries to process more United States oil, which is why United States is likely to continue importing large quantities of oil even if it were to produce more domestically. So United States also uses too much oil than it produces. You need to tell your friend Russia that it is the world's second largest producer and accounts for roughly 1 in 10 barrels of all the oil on the global market. And before you went so high in this round, and before Russia, your counterpart, invaded Ukraine back in February 2022. Roughly half of Russia's oil exports went to Europe, representing about $10 billion in transactions a month. And just last year, 2021, 8% of U.S. crude oil imports were coming from Russia. But see what the war has brought. Since the beginning of the Ukraine war, Russia has been selling less oil in a part which we can say could be due to the fact that there are very many sanctions imposed by the European Union, the United States, and other major economies in Russia. This has reduced global supplies and led to a lump in prices of U fuel. If I remember very well, at one point, the Biden administration was asking the U.S. oil companies and other large producers of oil to increase their output, forcing the milk out of the cow. But that didn't have that much success, of course. We can say this is because 
oil executives were in were fearful that the price could fall if they increase production too much and countries like Saudi Arabia and uh, I think the United Arab Emirates could not quickly ramp up output enough to offset the expected drop in Russian supplies. The UAE mentioned that themselves. So the effort to stabilize the market is uh, is current living right now, as I say, at the odds of Biden's stated ambition to move the country to electric cars and renewable energy like hydrogen. So before even I can switch to that topic of renewable energy and electric cars and what I do expect in the forthcoming climate change summit in Egypt well I need to blame you hey you war monger when sanctions were put on you you reduced your supply of fuel that was 1 in 10 gallons of oil. And you shifted most of your concentration on the war that is ruthless and undemocratic. On the other side, When they put sanctions on you, Africa didn't put any sanctions on you. So when you sent your delegate to Africa to tell us that the sanctions put on you by the West are the reasons as why we are undergoing a fuel and commodity crisis, it didn't mean anything to us. It didn't. You were only reminding us of something we know without a resolution. If sanctions are there to stop you from creating a war, can't you stop the war and we go back to as we were or the next phase? And if you feel that's so hard for you, what have you done for Africa the continent with most of the world's poorest countries to see that you can lower down this price at least for our sake and don't take us into perish as we move through the valley of darkness remember before your evasion Prices of oil and gasoline were rising as the world gradually recovered from the COVID-19 pandemic. So you scratched on the wound. I can't forget that briefly during 2020, the cost of a barrel of oil fell below zero 
because storage tanks were full. I know. Now commuters and vac vacationers and all people that use fuel that are back to the road and there are less and less COVID-19 restrictions around the world and offices are open. Ah, you've brought this misery. And it's obvious. All companies have been slow to respond to the rebound after laying off workers and decommissioning Greeks during the COVID-19 pandemic slump. As I said earlier, there have been uh, yeah, companies, these companies that I'm talking about, I said being directed, they're directing profits to shareholders in form of dividends and share buybacks. We're seeing Twitter trying to sell itself to someone. And in all this meander, This is the payback. War. A war that has to worsen everything. How sure is that after this war, like we saw the person behind this war triggering a dictator in Belarus, and we continue to have worse and worse and worse things. The Ugandan people have a saying that where two elephants fight is the grass that suffers. Talking of electric cars and renewable energy as a solution to the global fuel crisis is a very wide broad topic is there any possibility that we can overcome new fuel and go ahead of you and forget you for real hmm. i've read an article from the bbc dated first june 2021 last year that was titled why electric cars will take over sooner than we think. And I think this is the best time to read this article because it gives me hope that any time from now we shall not need to write any letters to you feel. Well, as I said earlier, I'm looking at COP26 version of this year in Egypt, Cairo, and I'm seeing a possibility of we having relief for our environment, freedom from pollution that is caused by you, oil, and how our cars emit carbon dioxide to our environment and destroy our environment one or the other so of course I've not driven any single EV 
in your life but i know that when i read this article from the bbc it says and i quote we are in the middle of the biggest revolution in monitoring since henry ford's first production line that started turning back in 1913. the writer justin rollat continues to say that and it's likely to happen much more quickly than imagined many industry observers believe we have already passed the tipping point where sales of electric vehicles evs will rapidly overwhelm petrol and diesel cars that's the best line i wanted overwhelming you because you're never stable and you're always becoming worse let's look at one vehicle that i love so much and that is the jaguar jaguar plans to sell only electric cars by 2025 <laughs> this is 2022 i hope i would be alive to listen to this very later that i'm sending to you so that i know by then if at least most of the companies like jaguar hyundai volvo which expects to be selling only EVs by 2030. Mm, and Lotus by 2028. Then that would be better. That means that by the time the world reaches to a point where we all expect to receive a technologic transcendence or a moment of singularity that is around 2050. Oh. I'll ask my kids, do you know what fuel is? And they'll say that is electricity or hydrogen. <laughs> I'm not laughing because I have much hope in this, but uh, I know that General Motors once said that it will make only electric vehicles by 2035. And when I add that to what I said earlier, and Ford says vehicles sold in Europe will be electric by 2030, and VW says 70% of its sales will be electric by 2030. I see this isn't very far, and I just ask for God's life so that I'm there to see more electric vehicles or more hydrogen vehicles and fewer vehicles that use petrol, diesel and you fall and fall and forever we shall forget you or we can only buy kerosene and store it in the museum this revolution that i'm talking about isn't news to anybody um when we look back when Jeff Bezos had just set up Amazon, currently the world's biggest e-commerce site, and in the moment when Google was just beginning to take over from the likes of Alta, Alta Vista, Ask Jeeves, and the so-called Yahoo, yeah, some companies had already evolved and had racked up eye-popping valuations. For those who hadn't yet logged on in all these seemingly exciting and uh, interesting new platforms, 
but maybe irrelevant they didn't know how useful it could be communicating by a computer after all we got phones by those and by those times we had phones you could call <laughs> but the internet the internet world wide web has been one of the most successful let's say new technologies but it's one that did not follow a linear path of the world domination and it didn't gradually evolve giving us an all time plan to plan ahead you understand fuel uh its growth was explosive and disruptive crashing existing uh, crashing existing businesses and changing the way we do almost everything so this could be something that i hope we're heading to if is you could be exaggerating your price when this is the last time we are going to be using you so that you would exaggerate to even $10 per gallon <clears throat> or $15 per liter of petrol. We don't care. But at one point, we break off you and we say, wow, we need electric cars, we need hydrogen cars. And at that point, I think we could have reached what we call uh we could reach a point of exponential growth of evs or a market saturation growth of evs and a slump a dump and forgetting fuel for good and for life <laughs> i'm even dreaming And don't blame me to dream if I am, because things have changed over time. It's extremely comfortable, it's airy, it's bright, it's good to sit in these EVs of today, though they seem a little more expensive, but yeah, it's better to buy a vehicle more expensively when you're gonna save at the end of the day in countries that have a lot of hydroelectricity power like Uganda. And after all, when it comes to the environment, you're not environmental friendly, by the way. So our comparisons on how environmental friendly are, we need to do them between um, hydrogen cars and probably EVs, but not you. No. Mm. This also brings us to a new thought. That if we abandon new fuel, I mean oil, petrol and diesel, and we switch to electricity and hydrogen cars, who probably shall we want the most? And who is the most relevant to us? Is it that we shall abandon hydrogen because hydrogen needs to be converted to uh, power, electricity, and then back to hydrogen? I don't understand how exactly. Or oh, 
what are the byproducts of both electricity and electric cars, which I think they do not emit anything. Power is used to run engines and that's it. And then hydrogen, the byproduct could be water or hydrogen peroxide. I don't know exactly. But what I know is it's far better than the carbon dioxide that you emit for us. So, yes, as COVID-19 taught us to live remotely but connected, the power of video conferencing and everything, as COVID-19 taught us resilience and so much, and so is this crisis that you've brought us. It's teaching us to stick to more environmental-friendly ways of transportation. That isn't a very quick way of switching in a fortnight or a day, but is a way that could formulate the future when we want a guarantee of speed, cleaner air, sustainability, and so much. And when that time comes, you and your oligarchs that are producing the oil that we use will be left at the verge of only talking about the past, like the days of using coal as the fuel of trains. Will the fuel of oil and diesel in cars, buses that we use today? So you can exaggerate the price, you can create crises, you can create another crisis out of this one, you can inflate to the maximum, or you can create a price differentiation on the global market. You can cause us high commodity prices, you can damage agriculture across our continent, you can break us, but you're only making us stronger in the world of technology. And in this direction, we are strong and firm that it's possible and it won't come gradually as I've talked about the internet. It will come as a shock to you that more and more people buy EVs and more and more motor vehicle companies like the BMWs, the Hyundai, the uh, Jaguars that I've talked about, that I've talked about Lotus and ETC engage more in EVs, create more hydrogen cars, and the so-called oil stations will <laughs> fade. Where does this leave us that have just discovered oil? Like Uganda that is just that has just discovered oil. It will reduce on corruption. Yes. Corruption is a form of disease that is initiated by the people at the head and affects the people at the tail. In a country whereby a single company from France is earning more than 70% of oil of a specific country, followed by countries like China, and a country that owns its own oil receives only 9% because of corruption of the leaders, well, we could say this is a turning point whereby we can say there is hydrogen almost everywhere, about 1% of our air. So... There is electricity that we produce from our dams on the Nile. And we can be excited to say that th that would be everywhere and corruption will reduce 
those that were expecting jobs out of that will find jobs maybe in driving Ubers. But the most important thing is we didn't have a crisis by then. And that's the most important thing. Avoiding you for good. Avoiding you forever. We are Jack Eza. We help digital solutions come to life. Are you opting for an app for yourself or company? Are you dreaming of a competitive website for your project? Is social media or website administration a hustle? Visit jackiza.com. Let me conclude. Something is very simple. Please calm down. Let us recover. I've told you how high prices of your oil have affected me, my people, the world, and how you were predicted. Well, many thought would be caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. Of course you did. And the war came in. And wasn't your condition. Bloomberg in 2016 released an article that thought that the crisis that we are going through now or your crisis that we shall go through by 2040 by electric cars and in their article they wrote and I quote that with all good technologies there comes a time when buying an alternative no longer makes sense think smartphones in the past decade color TVs in the 1970s or even gasoline cars in the 20th century predicting the timing of these shifts is difficult when it happens, the whole world changes. I continue to quote, it's looking like the 2020s will be a decade of electric cars. This is Bloomberg writing in 2016. Battery prices fell 35% last year, that was I think 2015, and are on a trajectory to make unsubsidized electric vehicles as affordable as their gasoline counterparts the next six years so 2016 plus another six years that's exactly this year according to a new analysis of electric vehicle markets by Bloomberg new emergency finance BNF that will be the start of the real mass market liftoff of electric cars and the writer continues in the next act in the next sentence to say that by 2040 long range electric cars will cost less than $22,000 in by then dollars according to the projections 35% of new cars worldwide will have a plug <laughs> so this prediction did come true by by uh, prediction by Bloomberg and this article particularly was written by Tom Randall on February 25th, 2016 but 
the good side of it is the writer here predicted a crisis by now and by then he didn't expect a global pandemic but the crisis that he predicted is real not caused by electric cars but electric cars being the solution that we are discussing so please hike up i mean hike down cool down settle give us breathing space and let us recover from the wounds of the pandemic and when we stabilize we shall look at you in comparison to your competitors otherwise i hope for the best thank you